The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. John Pincus is covering things today. All your questions doing the heavy lifting. So so bring it on. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. We'll give you more contact and other ways to reach out throughout the show. But uh, we'll get it happening here. We're going to get into everything you need to know about medical leaves. That is on the way first. Uh, John, good morning, pal. And uh, you got a couple things to uh, to get through with the week that was. How are you? Hey, sorry. We had a, a little bit of a technical problem there. I wasn't hearing you at the beginning there. but I, I You think are now. That, What's going on, brother? You got a couple me, things I got going for the week that was. Yeah, so let's talk about a, a few situations on uh, the week that was over uh, the last uh, couple weeks. So uh, first situation involves a, a supervisor uh, who had been working for a manufacturing company for about 20 years. Uh, this is a company that has actually uh, become much busier during COVID-19, so they have been uh, increasing his workload substantially. Uh, he used to supervise about 20 people, and since COVID, that went up to about 55 people. And wow. this guy is be- yeah, he's begging his manager, you know, hire additional staff, please help me manage the workload. And he's told, look, it's COVID. We all got to put in the extra effort. We all got to step it up right now. So mm-hmm. he's just being completely run ragged, right? And of course, mistakes start to be made, right? And one mistake ends up costing the money, uh, company some money uh, as some product was damaged. And what does the company do? Of course, they terminate him right away. And they say, well, we have cause for dismissal uh, for incompetence, uh, but we're so nice. If you sign this release, we'll pay you six months pay. Now, this to me was certainly not a case where the employer had cause for dismissal. And that's exactly what I told this gentleman. Uh, This is someone whose job responsibilities were substantially changed. Uh, They made his job much harder. He basically warned them that things were unsustainable and he made an honest mistake. Now, even if we took those circumstances away, you know, one mistake after 20 years of employment and and you terminate for cause, no, I I don't think so. So this is someone who's going to be owed anywhere from a year and a half uh, to 20 months of his pay, and that's a a six-figure severance package. So thank goodness he didn't uh, take that six-month offer that was given to him. Thank goodness he did not sign that release. Uh, so a couple takeaways, of course, do not sign a release before speaking with an employment lawyer because this person would have thrown away a huge amount of money if he did. Uh, but other, also put things in writing. You know, if you're having problems yeah. at work, write an email to your manager, mm-hmm. talk about how things are unsustainable so that if they try and hold this against you later, they terminate you and try and withhold your severance. You can say, look, I tried to prevent this. I told you this was going to happen. Um, and if your employer has terminated you for cause, of course, please speak to an employment lawyer about what you're owed. Yeah, building a case basically is what it is. You want to want to paper your files so if it does come uh, roaring down the other way, you've got some defense for sure. What else you got going on, brother? So the second situation was a without cause uh, termination. So this was an individual working as an IT analyst for 10 years and was offered a severance package also coincidentally of six months. Uh, but, you know, this one was someone who had much less service, of course, also someone in his mid-40s, uh, although earning us a fairly sizable salary. So I thought, okay, that's not a great severance package, but it's certainly not outrageous. Maybe there's something to negotiate here. Let's see what we can do for him. Well, I start speaking with this gentleman, and it turns out that this was the only IT job he's ever had, and he was trained in a series of programs that no other company in Canada uses. There's some companies outside of Canada that use it, but in Canada, no one else uses it. And his skills were 
almost completely non-transferable for that reason. Now, and what he told me is, look, before I can even apply to an, another IT job, I was going to have to go for training, and I, I think that's going to, that alone is going to take me six months. So I can't even start looking for a job until six months after I'm let go, which is what the severance package they're offering me. So in light of that, I think this is someone who's going to be owed a significant severance package, easily 12 months in light of this, uh, these very unique circumstances. So this just goes to show that when we're talking about severance packages, uh, we really have to look, you know, and, and we do look at the individual circumstances. It's a human analysis, and if you have a unique situation, then even after you've logged on to the severance pay calculator, give us a call, talk to an employment lawyer, because a good employment lawyer will explore your case from all perspectives. Isn't that the, part of the reason why if you're part of a, uh, you know, a larger group that's been let go, a department's been shut down, you may have, uh, you know, your buddy in the, in the desk, desk next to you, same job, but his, his severance may be completely different depending on his length of service, his age, all that stuff. It's, there's no carbon copy for anybody, is there? That's exactly right, John, and that's why I always warn people against uh, trying to compare their severance package to their colleagues because, uh, you know, it, it really is very different. That person may have the same years of service as you, and you may expect to get the same amount as them, but you may be entitled to much more. You may be entitled to much less because they may have some situation that makes their situation uh, uh, different from a severance perspective. If you want to have more of a uh, discreet, lengthier conversation, you can go to uh, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Okay, everything you need to know about medical leaves. This is a, a busy topic, especially in the last nine months or so with, uh, with the pandemic. How long, as far as uh, that's concerned, how long can somebody be away from work for medical reasons? Is there a limit? Well, you know, John, there's there's actually no set length of time that someone is allowed to be away. And this is very confusing for people because if you go into the Employment Standards Act, the Employment Standards Act says you get three days per calendar year, which makes it sound like you're allowed to be sick for three days per year. But of, of course, that's not the case, right? And, and this is, you know, a common critique I, I make of the Employment Standards Act because what it what it forgets is that we also have human rights code protection, uh, which in my view actually makes the Employment Standards Act sick leave almost meaningless uh, because the Human Rights Code uh, protection applies to disability and disability is defined fairly broadly. Now, it doesn't include everything, right? It doesn't include if you, if you just have a cold, but it, it does include visible and invisible uh, uh, disabilities includes psychological, physical, environmental disabilities. So, you know, if you are unable to look for work, or if you are unable to go to work, rather, uh, because your doctor is telling you that you should not be at work, don't assume that means, well, I guess I have no job. That's not, yeah. that's not uh, the way the law works. The law does have protection. And particularly in the context of COVID-19, as, as you mentioned, John, you know, if you are feeling sick and you need to stay home and your office is operating uh, in person, please stay home. You know, get a note. You may be able to do it through Zoom, uh, through you know, one of those programs like Teladoc or often over the phone. Um, so, if you, so if you can get a doctor's note and the doctor says you cannot return to work uh, for medical reasons, uh, then that's, that's really uh, all that you need to do at that time. Um, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, if you are on short-term or long-term disability benefits, it doesn't mean that 
as soon as those benefits run out, uh, that you're not able to go to work. That's another uh, myth that a lot of people think that they say, well, if my disability benefits run out, my employer says, now I have to go back to work. Well, I guess I have no choice. The disability provider is not the uh, arbiter of uh, medical conditions. Your doctor is, right? right? If your doctor has made a good faith uh, diagnosis and prognosis, that's you listen to. So there's a big difference between what an insurer may define as totally disabled under a plan and what your doctor may define as your ability to return to work. So bottom line, always go by what your doctor says. When it comes to, uh, I mean, I guess extremely long leaves, you're off for a long time. Explain the concept of frustration of contract for the employer. Yeah, so frustration of contract is um, basically where it's become clear that it's impossible uh, for the employee to come back to work. So, you know, frustration of contract, I, I often describe it to clients. I think of it as impossibility of contract because that, that's really the key word, impossibility, right? At, at any point in the, in the reasonable uh, future, is, is it really um, likely that you're going to return to work? So one of the things that we look at is are you getting long-term disability benefits, right? If you're getting long-term disability benefits, that may indicate that you may not be uh, able to return to work because the reason you're getting long-term disability benefits, of course, um, is because um, you're, you know, you're disabled for some extended period of time. Um, another, uh, you know, another sign is if you get a note from a doctor saying, uh, you know, we're thinking that uh, there's, uh, you know, that there's not going to be any chance of returning to work in the reasonable foreseeable future. I think the prognosis is guarded. That kind of thing. Uh, then at that point, the employer may be justified in saying, well, then it looks like you're not coming back to work. Now, if that happens, you are still entitled to your severance. But in right. that case, it will be your minimum entitlements only, not your full entitlements. And that's one of those rare exceptions where you only get the minimum amount. Help at employmentlawyer.ca talking about everything to do with uh, medical leaves. Does an employer have the right to ask an employer for their medical information and diagnosis? We will get to that after a short break. You've got plenty of time to call in and email as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. It's the Employment Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. Plenty of time early on in the show. So as I mentioned, going to break, uh, John, does an employer have the right to ask an employer for their medical information and a diagnosis? What do you think about that? Well, an employer is certainly entitled to certain information, but not just any information. So generally, we say that an employer is entitled to the prognosis, yeah. not uh, the diagnosis. Uh, an employer may say, send something called a functional abilities form. This is very common. This is just getting information about the nature of your restrictions that you may have. And, and, and they, they can actually be a, quite a bit of detail, but it really is on a need-to-know basis. Uh, what accommodation may be necessary? How long can is it expected that you're 
you're going to be off. Uh, when will you be next assessed? Uh, in you know, in rare cases, an employer may be able to ask for what's called an independent medical examination, uh, but that's mm-hmm. that's really something only if there's conflicting medical information or if there's some reason to really have some serious suspicion about uh, what your doctor has said. This is going to be the exception rather than the rule. And certainly, if you're being asked to do an independent medical information uh, examination and you're not comfortable with that, you may want to speak to an employment lawyer at that time. But generally speaking, again, if you're if your doctor doctor has said, look, this person can't leave, they're suffering from a, a, a physical, mental, uh, or physical ailment or a psychological ailment, um, and they are not able to return, um, then uh, that's really all that uh, your employer uh, is entitled to as long as you, uh, you know, keep them updated. Kevin, thanks for hanging on for a moment. Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead, pal. Um, one question. Oh, yeah. You were laid off before... Uh, a union got certified into your con- company, and they got in finally. Can you go to a labor lawyer to help represent you, or do you have to go to the union now that they're in the company? Uh, good question. Good question, Kevin. Uh, what really depends is that if so, is if you were um, you know part of the union at the time that you were laid off and it sounds like you weren't so if you were not um, you know on the union roster uh, and paying into union dues at the time of your termination I would say yes you can go to an employment lawyer because you were terminated from a non-unionized position Uh, so I I, I wasn't terminated I was laid off and I've been laid off for about nine months now but they keep bringing people back that are below me and what's happening is they, they got to sign a paper to go get a physical because I had doctor's notes saying I can go back to work. I had a FAF going back to work with no restrictions, all this. Right. So they got me to sign a paper saying that they'll send me to their people to get a physical. <clears throat> well, that never happened. They just sent some of my doctor's notes to this doctor, and he wrote a report said with my underlying uh, conditions not to return to work. So they keep me out of work. Right, right. Okay. So, um in in that case, you may now be on the uh, you know, the union roster you and and you may be subject to union dues and all that. So, it may be the case um that uh because you were be, because you remained, you know, in the eyes of the company a current employee, um, that your recourse now is through the union. So I would certainly go there first. But if the union says, oh, you I, I, I don't pay union dues or anything like that. Like, right, but I would ask the union steward, or the, you know, the, uh, in, in the local union, say, you know, am I, you know, am I covered by the union? Am I under the, you know, the union's collective agreement? Now, if they well, tell they, you no. They, they, they said they would handle it because as a favor to me. But uh, like I say, I'm not in the union. So... Like, okay. Like, well, if if you're again, if you're not on the union roster, then you will have the uh, ability to go to an employment lawyer, and in that case, I would say you can. You know, you're you're either going to be covered by the union, or you're not. I mean, if they're saying they're going to do it as a favor, that's very different than you, of course, being a part of the union. Uh, so it sounds to me. Uh, like you were not added to the union roster, perhaps, perhaps because, as you've mentioned, you didn't pay union dues. So I would say in your situation, you most likely can have an employment lawyer uh, assist you with this. Okay. And the other, one more thing. With that 
where they got me to sign that paper and then they got a doctor to write a report without even seeing me. Uh, is that, like, legal? I, I'd really have to see what, what exactly it is that you signed, and then that's so that's one of the things that we can talk about if you if you arrange uh, for something uh, for a, a discussion with us. Okay, no problem. I have your Thank number. you, Kevin. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the Thanks, uh, rest of your weekend. I'm going to give you a number to reach out and an email address. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employment lawyer. Vina, thank you for uh, for standing by. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, I really wanted to thank the firm. I was really, really stressed out this week because of issues that I'm having with my long-term disability with my um, insurance company. I mm. emailed you guys. You guys responded to me within 10 minutes. And Alan was the lawyer who called me and spoke to yep. me, and he was there for me the whole week. And I am so impressed, and I just really wanted to thank you guys. You really oh, well, well thank that's that's great. Well, thanks so much for, for letting us know about that. It's always nice to hear people uh, who've been uh, helped by ST Law. And uh, as, as you know, we have uh, not only an employment law show, but also a show about disability rights. And, uh, you know, these two things often go hand in hand. Uh, and I, I work very often with our disability lawyers. So that's, that's great to hear. Uh, and I, I really appreciate you letting us know that. No worries. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Vina. Appreciate that. It's nice to get some uh, some praise. And yeah, 10 minutes that email was uh, replied to. That is the way you guys roll. Should mention as well that uh, John doing the the employment side of the show here, we also have the disability law show, Savannah and his team. But uh, you guys all work together, same office, well, home offices now, but generally same yes. office because there's so much interplay quite often between employment law and uh, and disability in that regard that's why you guys have uh, have covered all bases uh, for sure in the meantime everything you need to know about medical leaves that is what we are talking about what happens to i mean we talked about a lengthy leave but what happens to an employee's job while on a medical leave do they have to you know regularly update their employer on their condition and if so how often do they do that Right. So, well, the, the, the easy answer to the second question, John, is as often as possible. You know, the, the employer does have an obligation to hold your job or if that job no longer exists by the time you're ready to come back to try and find a reasonably comparable job for you. But as an employee, you also have a responsibility as well. You have what's called the duty to cooperate. And that means regularly updating your employer, I would say at a minimum every few weeks, Give them a doctor's note uh, that says, you know, that hopefully has some degree of detail, more, more than just, you know, they're still on a medical leave. It, it, it should mm -hmm. say, you know, uh, what's the prognosis? Uh, when's the next assessment date? Uh, are you going to, is it expected that you're going to be able to return with full duties? Is it still too early to say, right? So try and get your doctor to write something a little bit more substantial. Um, and uh, again, I would do that at least every few weeks. Hopefully you're, you're seeing your doctor regularly, perhaps not in person, but uh, at least, right. you know, a phone call or or, or a, a a video conference, and whenever you do that, um, you should be updating your employer um, and just have open communication with your employer. Because if you don't, and you know six months go by and you haven't spoken to your employer, your employer may all of a sudden start saying, "Well, you know, we thought you weren't coming back," and and, and allege uh, abandonment. And that may not be a legitimate thing for the employer to do, but you just don't want to give them the opening to do that. So just just make sure that you really keep your employer in the loop.
and we talked about this. I, I touched on the crossover between that and disability. So what should someone do if they aren't approved for disability coverage, LTD, or their claim is cut off? Right. Well, just like the, the caller uh, did uh, who, who called in uh, a while ago, uh, Vina, uh, you know, you want to speak to a disability lawyer. Uh, so, for example, at ST Law, we have a, a, a separate team that deals with disability that works with us who are focused on getting you compensation for LTD coverage. Uh, but, you know, the main thing is if you can't go to work uh, and, you're, and your doctor is saying you should not be working, then you have to follow the advice of your doctor, right? Because that is the only person who really has a neutral perspective here, right? That the, your, your your physician is the one who is is there, uh, who has the Hippocratic Oath, and is there to guide you in the right direction, right? And your insurers don't. Your insurers don't take a Hippocratic, a Hippocratic Oath. So you have to go by what your doctor's telling you. And if you're and if you are needing compensation, that's the time to give a disability lawyer a call. And you can do that at the firm. By the way, like I just mentioned, they uh, they cover both. It is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. There is tons of crossover between uh, employment and LTD, so don't uh, don't let it fester. Get some information, and if you need to, John will pass you along to one of their disability lawyers in the firm as well. Everything you need to know about medical leaves. What should an employee do? All right, when they're ready to return to work from a medical leave, you've been off say for a few. weeks weeks or it could be a couple years but now it's it's come down to the time where you're feeling better you've got uh, clearance by your doctor not your employer your doctor says you can come back to work uh what do you do well you know this is uh, again a, a theme here uh that yeah. follows throughout the medical leave communicate often and communicate early right so as soon as you are ready to return uh, from a medical leave advise your employer right away ideally i uh, get it if it's been a long medical leave you may want to get a note from your treating physician saying that you know he's fit return to work if you have restrictions, make sure that your physician knows exactly what those restrictions are and how long they are going to or they are expected to last for. If you have no restrictions, uh, you may want to say, "Hey, I'm you know I'm ready to return to full duties. Talk about a mutually uh, conven- uh, convenient date for you to return, and uh, hopefully things will uh, run smoothly." Get to uh, one more of these questions, and then we'll move on to uh, some emails and more common employment law questions. What happens if, now you're ready to come back, what happens if the employer won't allow that employee to return to work? Right, and and this is a situation that uh, we deal with quite often. Um, A refusal to allow an employee to return to work uh, from disability uh, is going to be a dismissal, uh, and it could also very well be a human rights violation. The question here is going to be, John, you know, are there any positions or comparable positions that are actually available? Is the employer just... Uh, you know, is the employer just saying, well, you know what, we hired someone in your place and we're really more happy with them, which is clearly a human rights violation? Or is it the case that the medical leave that you've taken has been so extended that in the meantime, there have been major changes to the company and they really don't have a job for you anymore? And that that's a difficult question to answer sometimes. Sometimes it's more obvious. But there's a further question is whether you have any accommodation needs. Uh, and, and, if you, and if the employer is saying, we can't return you because we can't meet your accommodation requirements, then we have to ask whether uh, the employer has really met the test for undue hardship, which means mm-hmm. would it really threaten the viability of the employer's business to do what you're asking? Are you asking for a slightly reduced schedule? Or are you asking for the employer to redesign their entire office because of your condition, right? So we really have to look at where you fall on the spectrum, but it's pretty high standard for the employer to say they can't accommodate. 
We'll take a short break, get into the most common employment law questions, but you still got lots of time with more of it right here in Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back. Welcome back to the show. John Pincus is uh, in the chair, and we'll get to some most common employment law questions, but always uh, top priority, the phone calls. Dave, thanks for standing by. Good morning. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? Excellent. What's uh, what's on your mind? Um, I hurt my back at work, uh, and I've been on comp for about a year and a half. I had surgery this past January, and the doctor that did the surgery said that there was... Uh, so I had fractured vertebrae, and there's one still that wasn't healed. So I go back to the original doctor. He hasn't done any x-ray or any MRI, and he says I can go back to work on light duties. So I'm back, and they wanted me to do a few hours a day, and that was too much. I was in too much pain. And then they want me to go to four hours, and I know I can't do that much. And my other part of the question is, I got to go back to see this doctor, and I've asked him three times to do an x-ray or just to find out if it's healed, if there's any other issue, and he, he doesn't want to do it. Sorry, this is, this is your physician, or is this a, a physician that uh, WSIB has mandated you, you speak to? It's a WSIB one because the original doctor, when I originally got hurt, said it would take too long to get in to see a back specialist. So it's a WSIB doctor. Right. Well, Dave, I mean, the, the issue is that you, you, you may have no choice but to take a medical leave until you're able to get, uh, to get that x-ray. I mean, is, is the issue that, you know, there's, there's a waiting list or uh, what, what's the reason the doctor's giving you not to, to do that uh, um, analysis? He feels that the surgery was a success, but the other doctor said that one is healed, the other one is said could take another year, it was still fractured, and... He just uh, said that, he goes, you could be just getting the pain from a muscle and maybe 25% or something of the, you know, of the actual pain. Or he said, you could have a misalignment. And I said, well, then why don't we just do it? So he just said, well, he goes, I'm sure that's what it is. And that's after three times of asking him. And I have to go see him again in a few weeks. And I just don't know how to get him to, to do it just to make sure. Right. Well, you, you can't force him. So what you may have to do is go to another doctor. Now, that's not going to help with the WSIB uh, situation. But I, I'd, I'd encourage you to kind of separate in your mind the issue of WSIB entitlements and the WSIB process and, uh, you know, your personal health situation and your uh, employer's uh, obligation to um, accommodate you and hold your job if you're not able to work. So if you followed all the WSIB's um, directions to you and you're you know, just not getting the time of day from your doctor, you may have to go see your own physician to say, well, you know what, I got to take care of myself, uh, WSIB aside, um, and then hopefully you can find a physician who's willing to do that. In the meantime, I think you're going to have to take a medical leave while you're waiting to do that uh, and explain to your employer the situation. And then hopefully that will help the employer to be able to accommodate you. So just, you know, keep in mind that, that you, you may run into issues with being entitled to WSIB. It's not a whole lot that, that you can do about that other than going through the WSIB appeal process, if that's the case, if you're off and you need those benefits. 
but I, I, I don't believe that there's anything stopping you here uh, from seeing your own personal physician and saying, you know, I need your help. I need you to do this this x-ray for me so that I can uh, see what's going on and see what, what steps I need to take here. I did ask my personal doctor to do that, and he felt it was a, he's not a specialist and it's conflict of interest. He didn't really want to do it. That's what my own personal doctor said, and I've been going to him for years. Right. Well, then you, at that point, you may need a referral, right? So that's that's where I think you, you, you may need to go from here. Okay, then. All right. Thank you very much for your time. You're Thanks, welcome. Dave. Appreciate uh, for your time for the phone call this morning. I mean, we still got a lot. Most common employment law questions. Okay. First one, I know you get this every week, if not every day. I didn't do anything wrong. Can my employer terminate my employment, and why did they terminate my employment? Right. You know, this, this really just... Uh, seems unfair, right? Especially yeah, if, if you're exactly. uh, coming from a, you know, if you've always worked in a unionized job and now you're in a non-unionized job where the rules are a little bit different. I mean, the reality is, particularly for employees who are non-unionized, uh, is that your employer can terminate your employment for almost any reason, right? An employer yeah. can terminate your employment because, you know, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, and what that means is that um, they're going to terminate on a without cause basis. Now, sometimes that's without cause and without reason. That's sometimes without cause, but with a reason, but not a good reason. Yeah, um, it yeah. can be because your employer uh, doesn't think that your performance um, is uh, good enough, but that is very different than an employer asserting cause. And remember also that an employer may say that they have just cause, even if they don't have it. It is impossible to physically uh, stop them from terminating your employment. You know, a court is not going to jump in and say you, you know, you have to stop, uh, stop terminating them. Right? For some federally regulated employees, they may have a right to seek reinstatement, but. Uh, Generally speaking, if you're let go, that's it. It's done. And what we do as employment lawyers is we seek you compensation to give you some financial security so you can find another job. Yeah, you look past that point. You, you, you quickly advise your clients to look past why and you know, and the, and the bucket of water in the face and move on to the, the part that really matters, and that is getting your compensation for, for being let go. And that's the next question they ask is, okay, I get that. So, uh, John, how much severance should I get? Right. Well, you know, the name of the game here is uh, getting another job, right? That's what the law wants to see you do. They want to see you be compensated so that you can find another job. And once you have found another job and been compensated throughout that time, the law's work is done, right? And it's not, it's not a perfect science, but they do the best they can. And so one place to start when you're looking for severance is go to the severancepaycalculator.com, uh, or you can also go to ST Lawyer's Pocket Employment Lawyer. Um, and there's some main things that we're going to look at. We're going to look at your age, we're going to look at your position, and we're going to look at your years of service. And then you're going to get a range, right? Here's where your potential entitlements may lie, and you can compare that to what you've been offered. And then you'll give us a call, right? And then we're going to talk about some other things. What was your rate of compensation? Um, are you someone who was pregnant at the time of termination? Are you someone who was subject to non-compete agreements? Are you someone who lives in a remote area where it may be much more difficult to find work? These are all things that the law cares about. This is not a mathematical exercise. So. Uh, you know, start with a severance pay calculator, but then give us a call, and that's when we'll really be able to give you a, a very precise range of where you, in particular, given your individual circumstances, uh, lie in terms of severance entitlements. 
Let's take a short break, John. We'll get to more uh, questions from that list. Uh, common employment law question. Employment law show. John Pincus is coming right back with you right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 9.49. Welcome back to the show with John Pickus. Ryan, thank you for uh, standing by for a moment. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Good, brother. What's uh, what's on your mind? I'm trying to see if I'm entitled to severance pay. I was a unionized employee, and I feel I was dismissed unfairly after a year of waiting. I had an arbitration case, and I don't believe the arbitrator is ruling to be fair, so I, don't, I want to know if I'm entitled to severance and or if I can challenge an arbitrator's ruling. Well, okay, so this is uh, this is not going to be great news, uh, Ryan, uh, because when you are a unionized employee, it's great when you are employed uh, and you have certain rights and benefits that you do not have as a non-unionized employee. But typically, when that employment relationship ends, uh, if you're let go, you're going to have less rights. And generally speaking, you're going to be uh, bound by the collective agreement which is certainly uh, going to be, in, in the vast majority of cases, much less than your full entitlements. Uh, it, it may be very close to uh, or at the minimum amount in the Employment Standards Act. So you're not going to have the same rights as a non-unionized employee in terms of severance rights. Uh, as far as an arbitration, uh, typically, and again, it'll depend on the terms of, of the uh, collective agreement, uh, but typically, uh, if there is an arbitration, that is going to be a final and binding decision, which means the only way that you can challenge it is to apply for a judicial review of that arbitrator's decision to show there was some procedural defect in how things went, and that is very, very difficult to do. So I'm, I'm going to say not impossible uh, to appeal that arbitrator's uh, ruling, but uh, very difficult, and it's actually the union uh, that would have to do that. And as far as the severance go, do you, would I be entitled to severance after 14 years of service or no? Well, the, I mean, the company has to comply with the Employment Standards Act. But outside of that, um, you know, is this, is this an arbitration where it was found that the company had cause for dismissal? They stated the bond of trust was broken. Right, right. So that 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 uh, sounds like a, a case where the employer was able to convince an arbitrator that they had cause to end the employment relationship. So if the arbitrator has ruled that that the employer had cause for dismissal, then no, uh, you wouldn't be entitled to your uh, any severance, uh, which I, I'm assuming is what the arbitrator uh, decided. So unfortunately, I, I, I think you might be out of luck here, Ryan. I think the only thing that you'd be able to do uh, is try to convince the union to to make an application for judicial review if it really was that uh, unfair in terms of the process, but that's about it. Ryan, appreciate the call the uh, this morning. Dave, thanks for standing by. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm absolutely terrific this morning. Lovely day. Um, yep. Good morning to you both, and hello, John. You as hello. well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, um, I've, I've got a case where I've, I was taken on as like a, a casual worker for a... Uh, a large company, international company, that um, we would pick shifts online, and I was actually, uh, I end, ended up getting another kind of more regular job, so I was trying to use it to work around it. There was, uh, there was a clause in the contract which basically said if you hadn't done a shift 
if you hadn't worked for a 30-day period or more, then you would be considered as having resigned. There's no union, no nothing. It's just a, a very casual kind of arrangement. Um, nice bunch. They treated me very well, but um, the last few weeks they seem to have hired more and more people. And uh, it's, absolutely, it's pretty well, it's actually impossible to get a shift. You go online when they're posted, and they're all gone within minutes. So for the last month or so, I couldn't even get a shift if I wanted to, which I did try and do. Um, just got a message saying, um, you know, I, I, I've, gone my, I've gone 30 days without, show, you know, without appearing. Um, there are some shifts available all of a sudden. If I don't want to do any of the shifts or unable to, then we might as well just end the arrangement and call it a day. So um, my question, John, is um, can I get any severance from this, or is, is it just completely I should just hmm. say goodbye? Well, uh, Dave, my main message to you is that part-time employees, or you know, sometimes they call you casual workers if you, if yeah. you have a low part-time employee, part-time employees have the same entitlements to severance. Really the only difference between a part-time employee and a full-time employee when it comes to severance is that, of course, the severance is going to be based on the part-time hours. Right? The severance is going to be based on uh, the average amount of time that you actually worked. Uh, what you have described strikes me as um, illegal, uh, uh, contrary to the Employment Standards Act, uh, a, a notion that you you have been considered to resign if you haven't worked for any 30-day period. Well, that's I mean that that's quite broad. I mean, for for any reason, if you haven't worked for any reason, I mean it's one thing for them to say if you abandon your employment, you've resigned. But there really has to be uh, clear and unequivocal notice of resignation in order for a resignation to be valid. So that that clause that you've described, I mean, I, I'd have to see it uh, to to give a, a firm opinion on it. But based on your description. That certainly strikes me as illegal. Um, so no, I, I don't think this is a situation that you should uh, walk away from uh, because you, you may have an entitlement. It, it may not be a huge entitlement depending how long you were there and depending and, and how long were you there, by the way, Dave? Yeah, that's a good question. I can look it up, but um, uh, probably since about March or so. Right. Maybe so, about six months, roughly. I'll just have to check, but uh, yeah. not that long, obviously. Right. But you know what? There's still going to be an entitlement here. Uh, and, you know, and, and after you've reached three months of employment, there's an entitlement under the Employment Standards Act, and there's a larger full common law entitlement. So I think you should be speaking with a paralegal and talking about some severance entitlements here because this, this does not sound uh, right to me, and it sounds like a, an illegal um, an illegal setup, uh, which uh, you know uh, is, is but, not right. Yeah, I'm really surprised. I thought they... Had, a, had themselves a kind of watertight contract, because it was quite a contract we, we signed, a lot of paperwork mm -hmm. uh, in our sort of in, 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 indoctrinate, induction process. So I thought they had themselves completely covered for, it, for all these sort of eventualities, being a casual right. scenario. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can, shall I contact you later? Yes. Yeah, please contact our office, and we'll we'll get you connected with a paralegal who can help you get the severance entitlement you uh, deserve here. Dave, uh, good call. Smart making it this morning. Of course, you want to reach out to John. Yeah, that's easy. And the rest of the team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred would be the way. Or one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 
That is the number. The email address we use and uh, will continue to use on the show is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you want to reach out to John or member of the crew, you can email that address. If you just shrink it down to employmentlawyer.ca, the website, that's a good place to go if you want to catch our 30-minute televised version of this show on Global TV and CTV. Just go there and find out a, a place where you can catch that. And then finally, we should mention pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is a wonderful website. It is chock full of employment law information and we even had a call this morning about disability law there is a section on disability law on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca and the good old faithful severance pay calculator is also wrapped into that website as well so that is free to use for you anytime at all pocketemploymentlawyer.ca we'll just about uh, wrap it up there for the morning john thanks uh, thanks again for answering all the calls and doing all the uh, the good stuff that you do. You want to reach out to Mr. Pincus now, you can do so. Call that number or email, and we'll do it all again. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.